Hi, this is Rob Silverstone, and you're listening to The Rob Silverstone Show. Today's episode is Finance and Family. We're going to talk about things that may be near and dear to your heart. So, let's talk about finance and family. What are your goals? Do you have a a spouse or a partner? Are you married or not married? Are you looking to get married? Do you want to have kids? Are you close to your siblings, to your parents, to your cousins, or not? Uh, These all may matter for your current and future happiness. Uh, Finance. Let's talk about finance. Do you have short-term savings? Do you have retirement savings? Are you saving for some specific goal, such as to buy a house or a car, to get married, to go on vacation? Do you have any hobbies, especially hobbies that may cost some money to participate in? What is your personal timeline to achieve your savings goals and to achieve your family goals? For each goal, determine whatever it is. If it's a short-term, one-year-or-less goal, if it's an intermediate, one-to-five-year goal, or if it's a long-term goal, more than five years. What is the size of your current family and what is the size of your future family? If you're single and you're hoping someday to be married and to have kids, you may need to worry not just about living expenses, but also about future school expenses. You know, whether you can send your kids to public school or private school, whether you help pay for your kids' college or not, these are all things that come into play. Uh, Obviously, having kids costs more money than not having kids, but you should never decide to have kids or not have kids just because of money. Having kids is a big commitment, it's a lot of time, and it can be very satisfying for most people. I know, I have two sons. Uh, My wife and I have had a great time raising them. It's not been without challenges on occasion, but we're so glad that we did. But that's not for everybody. For some people, they don't want kids, and that's okay too. You don't have to have kids to be happy in life. You shouldn't let other people tell you what sort of family structure is best for you. You should decide on your own what's best for you. Uh, But in any event, if you plan to have a family or a bigger family, you definitely want to have savings goals and career goals to make sure that you can at least pay for the basic necessities that you need in life. So you need to pay attention not just to your family, but also to your job and to what's going on. So what are your hopes and dreams for yourself and for your family and for your future? Where do you see yourself in two years, five years, ten years? Do you like the city in which you live? Do you want to move somewhere else? Do you expect to live close to relatives, friends, siblings, parents? Uh, If you already have kids, especially adult kids, you want to live near your kids or that doesn't matter so much. Keep these things in mind as you're making decisions, especially if you're making a decision about switching jobs. Uh, Geography may come into play. As I record this in mid-2021, still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of people are working remotely and for some companies that may be a forever kind of thing, which is great. So you can move to Arizona to be close to your aging parents while working for that company in Nebraska. Some companies want their employees to return to the office, though, in which case remote working may no longer be possible. So these are factors you have to weigh in deciding both where to live and what kind of job to have. Also, think about retirement. Do you want to retire at the normal time frame, which is generally around age 65, or do you want to retire early, meaning between usually the ages of 55 and 65? Or do you want to retire late, meaning age 70 or beyond? Or are you one of those people who never wants to retire? My one grandfather, who was a doctor, actually worked his entire life. Uh, He only retired at age 93 uh, because with health concerns, he could no longer work. And he, he passed away that same year. 
but we're convinced that his working through age 93 is what helped keep him going so long. It was his purpose, his sense of being, and it kept him mentally stimulated. Many other people can't wait to retire and retire at age 60 or 65, and that could be okay too. You just have to make sure you have enough retirement savings and or some kind of pension beyond just Social Security so you can afford some kind of decent lifestyle from the point you retire uh, for the rest of your life. You should assume, by the way, that if you reach age 65, you're going to live at least another 20 to 25 years. When Social Security was first created in the 1930s, very few people lived past age 65. So when the retirement age was set at 65, the government felt that it wouldn't be paying out a ton of money in Social Security benefits to that group of people because they just didn't live that long past 65. In today's world, though, because people can live for decades past age 65, the Social Security system pays out a lot more money than it ever anticipated. And in fact, there's been conversation that Social Security may not be adequately funded for our future. So that's why you need to save outside of Social Security, but also why you should assume that if you reach age 65, you'll live for a long time. Some people transition from their main job to a secondary, perhaps part-time job, maybe helping out in a charity, uh, maybe being paid to be a school crossing guard or to work in a grocery store, which is totally fine. Some people find second jobs, you know, doing yard work or teaching or doing something else where they have a bit of income coming in, which is helpful in paying the bills and keeping the person mentally stimulated, while also giving the person a sense of purpose. The last thing you want to do after you retire is voluntarily be in a sedentary mode where you're just sitting watching daytime TV. Now, if you have health concerns and you're not able to get out of the house, watching, there's nothing wrong with watching daytime TV. But if you're capable of more, you don't want to have an inactive retirement because that can lead to health problems. Uh, so anyway, think about what you do after you retire if you're looking forward to retiring. If you don't have any hobbies, maybe start to cultivate some. Could be related to travel or cooking or hiking or uh, crocheting or playing music. It's never too late to learn to play a musical instrument, for example. Some retirees actually join singing groups at their churches or synagogues or even at their mosques, and that gives them a sense of friendship with others, and singing can be a joyful thing. Uh, so there are lots and lots of options out there. Some people turn to writing. You know, maybe when you were a kid, you dreamed of being a novelist, but you just never had the time. Now that you've retired, you can actually take a course in how to write a novel and then start, start to put together a book outline and sketch out your characters and then write a novel. You never know if you have a hidden talent that might actually pay for your later, later years. And aside, uh, lots of people still love to read, so being a novelist could be a good thing. So, do you like to travel? If you do like to travel, do you spend a lot of money to travel? Or do you have other expensive hobbies? Uh, this might be a reason to get a job that pays better so you can afford those hobbies or afford to travel. And especially if you want to travel, say, in retirement, you might have saved up a lot of money so that you can travel in retirement when you have more time in your hands. Uh, look at the frequency of your travels uh, and how much it costs per trip. If you have a hobby that costs a lot of money, let's say you like to ride horses, uh, so you know paying for the upkeep on the horse uh, or the time uh, riding the horse and all the gear you need and uh, perhaps some training along with that, that can cost quite a bit of money. So you want to look into that before you get into that hobby. Another thing to consider is how much debt do you have? Do you have a mortgage on your house or apartment? Do you have car loans on your car? 
Uh, or do you have a car lease where it's you don't really have a loan that, but you have a monthly obligation to keep paying for the use of that car? Then at the end of the lease, either you have the option of buying the car at a reduced rate, or you can turn the car in and lease another car or buy a car at that point. Uh, do you have credit card debt? I hope you don't, and if you do, please try to pay that off first. Usually credit card debt is at an interest rate of 20 or 22 or 25%, which is exorbitant. In fact, that rate is so high, you might pay back more in interest than you paid for the original uh, thing that you bought with your credit card. Treat a credit card like a checking account, meaning that when you use a credit card to pay for something, pay your credit card in full, your credit card bill in full at the end of the month. That way you don't have credit card debt. Do you have student loans? A lot of people do. Nothing to be ashamed of. If you have student loans, are you paying them off on time? Hopefully you are. There usually is a built-in interest rate that kicks in after you finish school. Is that interest rate a high rate or a low rate? If it's a high rate, you might want to consider replacing a student loan with some other kind of personal loan if you can get a lower rate on it. At the end of the day, you want to try to pay off your debt in a reasonable amount of time so that you can save more for the future. At the same time, though, don't discount the fact that you should be saving for retirement. I've talked to you in other episodes of this podcast about saving for retirement, and I will in this one as well. So even if you can only put aside a little money toward a retirement account, whether it's an IRA on your own or a 401k through work, if your, your job offers a 401k, you should always do so because that money will compound over the years uh, tax-free or tax-deferred uh, until you take it out at retirement. If it's a regular IRA or a regular 401k, you're not taxed on the money you put in. In fact, you may have a tax savings on the money you put in, but you are taxed on your withdrawals years later. But your withdrawal, which is partly principal and partly earnings, um, could be a much bigger number. Uh, if instead you put money into a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, you don't get a tax benefit up front, but you also don't pay taxes on the earnings when you withdraw that money once you reach retirement age. Both are great ways to save for retirement. Whether one or the other is best for you really is the subject of a separate podcast here, uh, and you may want to talk to a tax advisor. If you're in a higher tax rate, you're better off putting money aside pre-tax. If you're in a lower tax rate, you're probably better putting off money after tax. Uh, and there are a variety of reasons for that I'll get into on another episode of this podcast. So will you need to borrow in the future, either to buy a house or an apartment or to buy a car? And if so, do you need a down payment? And have you saved enough for that down payment? Or do you need to save more for that down payment first? These are goals you want to keep in mind. I talked also about kids. If you have kids and you want to help pay for their college, probably one of the best ways to do that is put money aside in a 529 plan. 529 plans became popular in the 1990s, and now virtually every state has its own version of a 529 plan, or you may have a state tax deduction if you put money into a 529 plan sponsored by your state. But you don't have to. You could put money into a 529 plan sponsored by any state. But the good news about a 529 plan is you put money aside in both the principal and the earnings if they are removed from the plan to pay for an accredited college or university for your kid or other beneficiary uh, are tax-free. This is a fantastic way to save for the future. If you put aside money when your kid is born or one or two or three years old, and keep putting money aside every year, as that money grows, you may actually be able to pay for a significant percentage of college without having to dip out of pocket once your kid gets to college age. Uh, this is really a great thing. Some 529 plans now have opened up in some states to be, for you to be able to pay for 
elementary school or secondary school for your kid. And while that may be a good idea, considering that college is usually much more expensive than uh, elementary school or secondary school, many financial advisors advise against using money for this purpose, but rather keeping it there for college. Uh, but only you can really make that decision. So be careful about that. Uh, also, if you're saving for your kid's future education, you may want to consider the idea of an outright gift. If you, as the parent or grandparent, uh, pays money directly to the school on behalf of your kid or grandkid, there's no tax implication. But if you're a grandparent and you give your son or your granddaughter $50,000 to pay for college uh, in one year, if that's considered a gift, it could be, you could owe gift tax to the IRS which is why it's better to make the check payable directly to the school or to put the money into a 529 plan. Uh, you need to be careful about tax laws when it comes to these things because it's not always as obvious as you think. So it's a good idea to do research, talk to a tax advisor or an accountant if you have an accountant, just to make sure you don't inadvertently take a wrong step and end up uh, uh, having to pay tax to the government when you're only trying to pay for something meaningful like your grandkids' education. All right, you want to try to build self-reliance both for yourself for future financial purposes, but also for your kids and grandkids. So one thing I like to advise is teach people how to reduce their debt by carefully and regularly paying off their debt, how to save money, um, how to spend only when necessary, and how to spend smartly. There's a famous study that was done several years ago with ki little kids and marshmallows. You know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old kid was told uh, by the the Researcher, you can have one marshmallow now, or you can have two marshmallows in 15 minutes. And some kids chose immediate gratification, give me the one marshmallow now. Some kids chose, oh, I'd rather take two in 15 minutes and kept playing or doing what they're doing. You want to try to teach your kids at a young age about delayed gratification so that they're not always getting exactly what they want when they want it. Sometimes they'll be more appreciative of things they have to save up for or wait for or earn through completing tasks. Uh, that, that's a lesson that can be applied to all of life. Uh, also, teach your kids to be careful about spending. Don't just buy the first thing that comes to mind if they're walking in a store and they're hungry or they're looking on Amazon.com. Do research. Find out, is this the best price for this product? You know, How long can I expect to have this product? Will it last? Uh, is it from a known manufacturer or is it from an unknown? You know, What if it falls apart two days after I buy it? How many of you have received gifts for your kids of plastic toys? Your kid starts playing with it and it breaks in the first day. You know, what recourse do you have at that point? So it's important to investigate quality, not just quantity, when it comes to things. Uh, do you want to leave an inheritance for your kids or grandkids? Let's say that you do. Make sure you have a will and a health care proxy in case uh, you're sick and somebody needs to make health care decisions on your behalf because you're incapacitated. Make sure also you have a letter of instruction so that if you become incapacitated or pass away, that your heirs, your kids, your grandkids know what to do with your stuff. Not everything is covered by a will. For example, retirement accounts such as 401k and IRA uh, funds are not governed by wills, but are governed instead by who's named as the beneficiary in those accounts. So if you talk to a lawyer about a will, your lawyer will ask you questions about this as well. It's also good to have an estate plan in place um, because tax laws do change, especially relating to estates. And if you have a will, you probably need to update it at least every five to 10 years as things change. Your wealth status may change. Your debt status may change. The tax laws may change. 
your kids may go from minors to adulthood. Uh, and once they're adults, you don't need to have a guardian for your kids, of course. So that's another reason to update your will from time to time. Uh, also, of course, if you have kids, uh, you may want to have life insurance. So in the unlikely event that something happens to you, your family has money to tide them over at least for a couple of years, if not longer. So teach your kids about the lessons of finance and savings. That's very important. Teach your spouse or future spouse as well. Uh, make sure you're making decisions together if you and your spouse have kids. It's not just you making decisions that your spouse is not aware of. It's important to do things as a team. Uh, that's why you're, you're together in the first place. Self-reliance is very important. And, it, and it, within self-reliance, there is also self-confidence. Confidence in turn stems from knowledge. So the more you can learn about the day-to-day -day aspects of life, especially family life and financial life, the better you're going to be at making the right decisions and the better teacher and mentor you're going to be for your kids and grandkids. So I hope this information has been helpful. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Look forward to another episode of The Rob Silverstone Show and feel free to reach out to me at rob at therobsilverstoneshow.com. Thanks and have a great day. 